Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, listen! cartwheeling in for no reason which must mean it's our elden ring episode bum 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 <laughs> welcome to one ups man ship our inaugural voyage on the iHeartRadio network we're so happy to be here i'm one of so your happy. regular voices mr michael swain and i'm the other of your regular voices adam ganser pleased to be here on the iheart network that's right some 60 or 70 episodes in, we've always called ourselves hosts or co-hosts, but now I guess we're just regular voices. <laughs> we're just um, disembodied voices haunting your haunting your drive to your work or whatever. That's right. This is an yeah. ongoing show about two friends who've loved video games their whole lives and it sit is. around and argue about them, specifically through the lens of, uh, dare I say it, art history. Um, but sort of the uh, the broader picture, we think video games is a really important artistic medium with a lot to say and uh, yields a lot of great insights into humanity and this crazy thing we call living. So that's right. That's the show, I guess. You know, we talk about video <laughs> games. And uh, today we're talking about Elden Ring. We have no guests. Mm. We thought for our first venture, we'd let you get to know us, your Siskels and Eberts, as it were. Um, so you can sort of decide who you vibe with and pick a favorite. That's the main reason. And <laughs> decide which of us dies suddenly and which one long and much later. <laughs> yeah, you got to pick who you consider the protagonist, who you consider the antagonist yeah, yeah, yeah. moving forward in your one-upsmanship yeah, yeah. experience. But big thanks to iHeart. We're excited to be here and uh, try out this new format, which is a slight rejiggering of our old format so forgive us if we go slightly off the rails but i believe it's uh time to pass a checkpoint is that right adam 
Indeed it is. Great. To our new and improved first segment, Tell Me Like I'm 8-Bit. So uh, in, in order to spank our progress thus far, I'm, I want to touch your grace. I want to touch you right where your grace is. <laughs> That's right. Get that big, gers- that big grace gasm. Yeah. Um, so we touched some grace. It exploded all over us. And that it brings really us into Tell Me Like I'm 8-Bit. Who's going to take Tell Me Like I'm 8-Bit? Gansy. Uh, it sounds like it Boy. should be me. Okay. That's what it sounds like. All right. So please explain what the hell Elden Ring is to me. If I uh, am a, ca- a filthy casual and I have never heard of it and don't know what you're talking about, go. What a what a daunting task this is, really. Because Elden Ring is the latest game released by From Software, uh, a franchise that's now become famous for extremely difficult action role-playing games, uh, most of which are sort of... Uh, medieval or uh, gothic in vibe. It's very. It's a sword-based kind of combat, uh, and it is third person. And uh, they've sort of created a formula uh, where you are laboring your way through an interconnected three-dimensional world to find a way to restore the world, typically to its uh, pre-magic or dis- or I guess destroyed states. Usually in some some form of uh, trouble, and your job is to bring it back to a stasis of sorts. Um, Elden Ring's the latest, and uh, this game was famously hyped as being a collaboration between the Dark Souls uh, guru Hideotaka Miyazaki, forgive me for butchering his name, and George R. R. Martin of Game of Thrones uh, fame, and uh, that alone provided a lot of hype. Plus, the Dark Souls franchise in general is a, a, a hardcore gamer uh, delight. They really get excited about it. And it was released to extraordinary acclaim. Um, it's the first of these games that features what you might call an actually open world, um, where you navigate a uh, large, a huge map. Uh, you can actually use a horse that you can summon at your will to find out, A, what's going on with this gigantic tree in the middle and all these sort of less gigantic trees spotted throughout the map. And then, B, what is going on in the world, period. And then, C, what's all this cool stuff I can collect. And that's about as much guidance as this game gives you. Um, it is interactive. It features extremely difficult uh, boss fights, which is sort of a staple of this franchise in general. Um, it has combat ranging from arrows and swords to magic uh to summoning and then it has some mild crafting which is kind of a new addition and uh if you haven't played a souls game then uh, all i can say is the formula is basically when you die all the progress that you made in the form of runes or souls that you need to bank to uh level up they are placed at the spot where you die, but you revive at one of these sites of grace, which again explode all over you, and you're forced to navigate the terrain back to reclaim those runes or souls or lose them forever, which is, as you'll find, a very daunting task. And uh, I think that's it for my explanation. Boom. How did I do? Did you? Were you educated? I was fully enlightened. Do you feel like you know? Uh, which means we get to pass another checkpoint, bank said progress, which means we walk through an archway for the first time, and some fucking ghoul pops out, jack-in-a-box like. <laughs> yep. Like, ah! And we're like, I'll never fall for that again. Only 25 minutes later to have the exact same thing happen again and go, that's right, that guy's right there, fuck. Uh, and that brings us to <laughs> a segment of- called Rants. <laughs> That's right, the game of rants. That's the first of many times you'll get ganked in this game. Yes. This game loves ganking you. 
Absolutely. You'll uh, you want to go first? Shivved, you'll be stomped. You'll be ganked. You'll be one shot you in have so died. many different ways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, you, you are have. dead? I think it's you are dead. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll rant first. Player one rant at you. The rants are Great. where we generally give our uh, sort of more emotional, personal impressions, not just, uh, 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 you know, neutrally is the word I was searching for, ex- describing the facts on the ground, but actually talking about our experience of the game. So here's where I'm at with Elden Ring. Um, I'm ready. I'm very 49 ready for this. 49 hours in is where wow. I'm at. Which is yeah. not nearly enough to finish Elden Ring, I don't no. believe. I, although you can go online right now and see a YouTuber complete it in eight and a half minutes or whatever. It's the insane. Fuck. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, but can't believe it. And uh, that also involves a glitch where they'll just like wiggle, 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 and then shoot over into a new realm and be like, "There's the final boss," and you're like, "What? What is this? Are you Neo in the Matrix? Did your Elden Ring character become sentient?" But uh, if you followed us. And by the way, there's more than 60 episodes of One Upsmanship available in our illustrious backlog. But if you've followed us, you know a bit about my deal. From Games have not traditionally gotten me. They have not snatched my fancy. And I want to use my rant space to say that this one did so the most of all. We have a new winner in terms of the amount of interest from me raised by the game. And that has to do with a lot of small tweaks they made to the loop that we'll unpack in game on. And I'm very excited to discuss, but emotionally I'm pretty positive on Elden ring 49 hours for me is not nearly enough to beat it. I just have big chunks of the map unlocked, but I can tell by the shape of it. I don't even have the full map unlocked. Um, probably a ways from that. I have no idea how far through I am, like relatively speaking, but I'm coming at it from that place. I have played a fair amount of Elden ring, but I just want you to know, dear intrepid listeners i have not completed elden ring it is indeed quite hard um usually i do finish the games that we cover on one upsmanship but i actually find from games so difficult and yet so important to the medium that we've suspended that rule so i i cover from games when i feel like i have enough cogent insight to fill an hour but not necessarily uh having rolled credits which i haven't in this case it really really hard and um I don't want to put much of a finer point on it until we get to game on because I like to construct these little emotional arcs in these episodes. <laughs> you do. So I'm it. just going to say that I have more of a positive take on this than you might have expected. Okay. Passing the torch oh, to player great. two. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, player two, Adam Ganser, ranting at you. Hey, this is one of my favorite games I've ever played. Uh, and I that's not me being facetious. I loved it from minute one to minute finish. I did finish it. Uh, I probably put in about 120 hours, um, most of which I streamed. And, um, yeah, it was just exactly the right cocktail. Now, my history is from soft games because I feel like everybody needs to hear this. You're going to get invested in this podcast. So, like, neither of us liked from software games about a year and a half ago. And then uh, I picked up Bloodborne and finally finished it, and I was hooked and uh, basically played through every Dark Souls and Demon Souls and uh, a little bit of Sekiro, which is the only one I have not finished, and then this. And uh, I think this is unquestionably the best of that entire series of games. And I'll tell you why. Um, the first reason is that it's act- it's finally structured in a way that makes it easier for an average gamer to understand what to do 
and it is more forgiving. So what I mean by that, so you're going to run into bosses all the time in this game, and this is the first time that I remember where you can really easily get away from a boss and face it later if you want to, right? Like the rest of the Dark Souls games, you really couldn't do that. Uh, it was very difficult to backtrack. In fr in the first Dark Souls, it's like takes you forever just to warp anywhere. Um, so like they're much more punitive about you got to beat this guy before you can move on, which leads to more of the man I've been stuck here for three hours trying to beat this guy experiences. And I think that is the worst thing about this like these games. Period is that you will have a time where you are stuck on a boss for a long extended period of time and you will face true despair. That is a thing these games do, and this one's no exception, but it gives you a lot of tools to help mitigate those experiences. Escaping is one, which they do via open world. Um, the second one is they gave you just more powerful tools like summons um, or like really powerful spells and stuff so that you could really make short work of most of the bosses once you get properly leveled um and it's not as much of a flail fest like a lot of these other dark souls games are where you're just dodging and trying not to get hit um i a lot of the bosses in bloodborne for instance i beat on one or two tries without really understanding the mechanic of the boss i just kind of was good at dodging so i was able to get in my hits and survive this game um, some of the bosses, because of the tools they gave me, I just melted them. And then some bosses were so challenging that it was like, no tool is going to get me out of this. I'm going to have to learn how to beat it. Um, bosses like Millennia and certainly the Elden Beast, who's kind of the final boss, which is a two-phase boss, and some others. Um, there's one dragon I haven't beaten yet in the crumbling ruin that's name just flew out of my head. Um, the Crumbling Faramazula, I think it's called. I have, There's a dragon there that's a secret dragon I haven't beaten yet, but I have seen him, and I will take him down. Um, in general, I just liked being in the world. I was sad the minute I finished this game. Um, I liked riding around with no agenda and just being like, okay, let's see what's in this cave. All right, let's see what's in that behind that tree. Oh, there's a dragon. Let's try to kill that dragon. Oh, can't kill that dragon yet. Okay, I'll come back to it. Um, that The freedom of it. And the lack of sort of a to-do list, which makes a lot of games feel anxiety-inducing for me, um, was just kind of a revelation. Um, I also want to say this is the first game I've played in five years that felt like it took up the mantle of the challenge of Breath of the Wild, which is my favorite game ever, and said, we're going to do that. We are going to make a, a world as free and open as that, and we're going to iterate on that. And they did. And uh, I think it's proving that if you're willing to take up the mantle and do the best work you can do as a designer, you're going to make an experience that gamers cherish. Like right now, that's still a cherishable, like very valuable game experience because most of these open worlds are really just a gigantic to-do list. And that's not what Elden Ring is. And it's not what Breath of the Wild is either. They're mostly just like, you can do as much or as little of this as you want. Um, just go check it out, man. Have a good time. It's a big, giant sandbox. Have a good time. That's what this is, and it's just so pleasing. Um, the story is gobbledygook. I've read summaries of it. Don't care. Uh, they It doesn't make sense. Uh, or if it does make sense, it doesn't transmit to a person who's playing the game actively and paying attention. I still don't understand the story. But I understood it better than any of the other games. Um, I also like that they gave you quests that you kind of had to figure out that you were on a quest. And once you did, you're like, oh shit, I, I need to go, I gotta go here to see that guy. Oh, okay. And you realize like, oh, I'm on the trail of some larger story piece that just sort of 
organically popped out. You know, sort of the way that open world games used to feel when we weren't saturated with them. That's what this game feels like. And uh, they feel really, really great. And that's my rant. Fabulous rant. Couldn't be more compelling. Stay tuned after the break when I will dismantle everything Adam just said. (laughs) I hope you do. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back. This is still One Upsmanship. I'm Michael Swaim. And I'm Adam Ganser, and uh, apparently I'm in for the fight of my life now. The true boss has revealed himself. That's right. I already, yeah. I already put you on the back foot by throwing another name drop at you. Like, surprise, we're saying <laughs> yeah, our names. I was like, oh, shit. We're doing I dodged the names it. thing. I dodged very quickly. Um, <laughs> we've passed another checkpoint, which yeah. means you are dead, flashed on screen. Oh, yeah. And, At least. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we're yeah, back. We wandered into Stormvale Hold and uh, did not survive. <laughs> I'm surprised survive. we made it this far into the podcast but without dying, frankly. Yeah, the, the I know. Metaphysical nice run. us, the metaphorical us. Um, and this is Game On, which is when we get to just talk smack and interrupt each other, and it's fine. We don't have any of the respect that we had during the rant portion. <laughs> all we pretense of fondness right. is over now. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. and so uh, here's the big twist, Adam. Mm. I still don't like it that much. <laughs> Really? Okay. Yeah, I still... I still I don't went, like it that much. I went on a long emotional journey, really long, dark night of the soul, involved okay. the whole three-act structure to arrive at the place of From Games Are Not For Me. And okay. uh, that's where I started, but there was this brilliant part in the middle where 
I was into it for a second, and I think I understood what you're talking about. So I'm here to learn and hear okay. more. Uh, I, I'm interested in the things that people that like these games get out of them. I think I have. I think I'm able to bring some insight to bear onto why, for example, this got a 10 out of 10 at my old outfit, IGN. And uh, great, great reviews across the board. Like, I see what's good about it. Um, But I think I can also be a bit of a critical voice in the sense that I like it better than other FromSoft games. Um, But you don't like it. I guess the easiest thing to say is I don't – it still feels like homework more of the time than I would like. The open world element for me basically boiled down to – okay, so there's two big caveats. Or there's one big caveat and then a statement. The caveat is all this applies to soloing, which is the way I like to play games traditionally. Um, And I still find the difficulty curve too high. And yet the difficulty is a feature, not a bug. And if there was a difficulty toggle, I don't know that that would address what I'm talking about because the game is inherently built around the difficulty. Like you said, the way that the runes are acquired and the banking of it, it's about difficulty and gating and whereas in Sekiro or Bloodborne or Dark Souls there's only one path forward or sometimes two to three and I would get stuck at that at the end point of that path and I would play 25 times and go I can't do this um now there's 10 to 20 different paths I can pursue and I get stuck down all 20 of them. And then I go, <laughs> okay, that's God as far as I can go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's just more of them. And I do agree that it alleviates the problem, but I guess I'm like, well, the game shouldn't be a problem. It should be something I want to do. And I have to admit, and now that we're done covering it, I won't play this again because I dread. Oh no. Really? I, dr- I dread playing it. it because rather than look forward to playing it because it doesn't dispense any story, which is my main thing about playing video games. And um, I have this acute sense of, I just spent four hours of my precious game time, which is limited. And all I did was die to the same handful of baddies over and over and over and over. And I failed to progress anywhere. Well, that was a real waste of an entire evening. Like that really takes the wind out of my sails, man. Yeah, but it, I I see that. That makes perfect sense to me. But I cannot tell you how fun it was to play this game with my good friend Adam Ganser. <laughs> when yeah, we Adam, had a great time, yeah, we yeah. had a grand old time. When Adam would pop in through the notoriously complex. Oh man, I'm getting grouchier as the episode goes on. Because here's That's another okay. thing. Yeah, there yeah. are there are a, there are aspects of from games that are arcane and weird and uh, obfuscating and like intentionally dense and uh, obscure and uh, people take it as like a quirky personality affect. It doesn't work on me. I think it's annoying, needless like wall between me and the in- experience. So like I don't like that. In order to play co-op. <laughs> You have to turn Erdly Flower into Furled Finger Remedy, which you snort, and your friend puts a summoning sign on the ground using the tarnished Furled Finger, and that's how you do co-op. 
there should just be, and I don't think it ruins the mystique, and I don't think it's a unique, cute affectation. There should just be something in the pause menu that says co-op and you join. And furthermore, there should be a pause menu. I don't understand why right. there's no pause. <laughs> right, right. No, that's, a, I mean, these are the critiques. I have hear. a dog that runs and through the room it. and knocks shit yeah, over, it. and I have to pause the game. You I know mean, what I, I mean? got a... F- I got a phone call a couple of times when I was like nearing something important and it was like, Oh, like, you know, it was very stressful. I, I get it. Um, that makes sense to me. I also think that we could dispense with the nonsense a little bit with from soft games. Like I, like I think it's like, yeah, man, we should just be able to join a party through like party chat. Right. You know what I mean? Like the way you can in destiny destiny's made that very easy. Um, and like a lot of games make this harder than it needs to be. Like for instance, Warzone, a game that we covered on this, uh, podcast. Um, I think it's even that is a little bit trickier than it needs to be. Like, I think this should be a simple system. I don't know what, why FromSoft is guarding this co-ops feature. Like it's (laughs) like it's Fort Knox or something. You know what I mean? It's like the precious, like integrity of the game. Like, come on now, just let us join each other's games and stop gating it arbitrarily. Uh, I feel like like no one they aren't fully clear on and nor could you be because life is a highway. I'm going to ride it all night long. Um, Life's mysterious and fuzzy, but I feel like from knows we've hit on an amazing formula, right? Some aspect of this is our entire product is some aspect of this formula. And there are some parts of the formula that I legitimately think they don't need, but they are too. They're like. Yeah, but we don't want to fuck with the formula. It's working. We can't get it's rid working. of it. So, like, for example, you have way too many stats, and the stats menu is more complicated than it needs to be. And I think they think that's part of it that we're all really obsessed with. And if they lost that, we would. But well, I don't know. I question that. I f- but, again, it's not for me. I'm not the key demo. So, please, I would love you to sp- for you okay. to speak sure. to, like, People for whom this is hands down easily. I just saw Zach Ryan tweet like, "This is one so of the best obvious. Games ever. This yeah, is so yeah. obviously game of the year. It might be one of right. the best video games ever made." Right? Like, I what think are you talking too. about? Explain that. I think to that me. too. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, one thing I want to say is they do mess with the formula, uh, but not the parts of the formula that I think the gamers are constantly griping about. Um, they mess with the parts of the formula that people aren't griping about usually, and sometimes to really great effect and sometimes not like in this game. And I think the reason it works so well is because they decided we're going to make it easier for you to do the, like to do this game. Like, uh, you could always summon your friends to help you out, but like one thing that is more present in this game than any other previous game, and I don't know if you could do it at all, if I remember correctly. I, I never did it before. But you can basically clone yourself in this game and have two of you fighting a boss, which dramatically changes what boss fights are like. Mm-hmm. See, now, I never summoned a friend to help in a boss fight in a FromSoft game before. I never did that. And I didn't this time either. And I don't, it's not because I'm some hard ass. It's just because I was like, I don't want to have to arrange all that. I just want to beat the boss, you know? So mostly I powered through. Um, this game gave you f- features in case you don't have friends who are ready to go whenever to give you the same effect. And I think that was a huge boon for an average gamer to get into it. You know, like you can get a thing called a mimic tier that really changes how you fight boss fights. Like it's but so I hate that I'm now 
average gamer, which is fair in that statement, but it's very well. I'm let me like, say what I let let I me, I host a video games podcast for iHeartRadio, and yeah, I play video games every night a lot, and uh, it burns my ass that I can't that these navigate my way through beyond. these games. Yeah, they're literally no, I literally cannot complete it. So what? Right, why not? Like, you, what's right. wrong with me? Yeah. Well, nothing's nothing's wrong with you because I, I think the one thing that's clear is that it's not because you're a baby. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that it's so hard that you're like, I can't like deal with baby. this. F you. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I think the reason these games get such acclaim is because they appeal to the people who have played a lot of video games and who have loud platforms about video games. And so they when, it, when one of these comes out and it, when it is even marginally better than the games that came before it, it gets a lot of acclaim Mm -hmm. because it's based on, it's targeted to the right audience. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like the viral video of video games. If that makes sense to you, this one's definitely broken through to the mainstream to some degree though. It was just announced. It's like the best selling game of the last 12 months, which is, which is, Awesome. From so games happy have to hear never that. achieved anything like that before. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that they made it easier. They're so That's difficult and they wear that on their sleeve that people are people like me look at them from afar and go, Oh, well, have fun with that. I'm sure it's good. But they weren't actually buying them. This is the first one people are like, because the basic narrative around it is this is the accessible one. And people are like, oh, then I'll pick that up because I heard those are super good and they were just too hard. I'm here to say it's still very, it's still very hard. hard. Yeah, it still <laughs> is. Like, they're never not going to be hard. I just think that the genius of this particular outing on that on the difficulty front is mm-hmm. that it gave you more tools to mitigate the difficulty if you want to. And I think that's, I think that FromSoft is smart for knowing that we need to be able to give tools to people to make it easier, but we can't change the difficulty because that's who likes our games. Like people who are looking for the challenge, that's who likes a FromSoft game. True, but I do so, think there's weird artifacts they hang on to that they probably could change that they just aren't aware that they could change and no one would care. See, having dived into, like the, the you said the stats, right? So I just kind of want to counterpoint um, the, the stats. The stats, thing. I believe that people would be into keeping because that actually affects the gameplay. But I'm talking about things like, do you think it's, or do you think it's absolutely core to everyone's, even the the people who love from games, would they riot if, if you could pause the game? Does that destroy the balance of the skill component? I don't, I don't understand at all why they, why you can't pause. I don't know. Like, I think that's, uh, I, I think that's just about making probably their boss fight an air of difficulty, difficult. an air of, Hey, yeah. fuck you. There's no I think way that's out. Right. right. <laughs> they, they want their boss. I think that's a specifically boss fight thing to me because you'd pause and like look up a strategy or whatever and you'd do mm. better. That's to me, that's the only reason not to have it. Um, or is it, those- is it crucial to your experience and your joy as someone who does love these games? Do you think a key component of it is that the, Items all have weird names that do not imply what their function. No, is. I don't like that. No, I don't like. Okay, that. okay. So I'm uh, saying I find that frustrating. I think there's parts of yeah. the formula that they could improve that they just can't be bothered to because they're like, "Why fix it? It ain't broke. It's selling." I just, Let's I guess, my argument train. is, I think they love that piece, like that sort mm-hmm. of macabre, diffuse thing. I think that's a thing that really, really appeals to the designer. Like, I think Miyazaki specifically 
really likes telling stories through the obtuse, layered, dif- like sort of distant yeah. connecting story points. I think he loves that. Um, and that that's how he that's the way he wants to tell stories. And my argument is, yeah, I just don't think most people experience any story from that. Like if story is a way of of creating a shared emotional experience and not like if that's what it is, which I think that is what it is, you're not having that. Like what yeah. you're having is more of a realization based on a connection of facts, like a detective putting this narrative together. But that's a secondary aspect to everything you're doing in the game. So you don't have an emotional experience there. And I don't think that's really what storytelling should be. I think storytelling should be evocative of emotions. Cause that's why we like it. Um, you know, and that's, I don't know, that might be my history as a filmmaker talking, but I, no, so I, I don't agree. care about that. But I do you love, uh, <clears throat> I feel like something that came through in Elden Ring more than any other From game, but it made me realize retroactively that From games do have this, is the really weird indie-esque sense of humor. Like, Yeah, it's a little funny. If you're listening to this and you're not playing Elden Ring yourself, or probably won't, it's actually worth getting into the memes a bit or looking up funny Elden Ring videos because the idea of the game as punishing yields some very hilarious moments, and the designers this time are like aware of that. Like, there's a, The classic example is... There's this bear you get to and you kill it. The fucking bears. And then there's a bear that immediately spring-loaded comes out of nowhere who's five (laughs) times as large. It's just the same bear, but it's five times bigger. And And super fast. And it kills you instantly. And that's the joke. Get it? And, like, I love the situational humor. Like, I, for example, I love that in this game there's no – in most fantasy games – or even most games now, like in God of War, for example, you'll see the uh, the elves, which are these flying in that universe. They can fly. They have like dragonfly wings and you'll kill them. And then you'll see another one that has like thicker armor that's a different color. Right. And you'll go in your head. That guy's going to fight like that other guy, but take more damage. <laughs> and that's accurate. Right. In this in Elden Ring, you'll be like, oh, see that troll? Just hit him in the foot. And then do a crit on his head and then laser zap him. You'll be fine. See that crawdad? Do not ever walk that to, crawdad to that crawdad. That fuck you up. <laughs> do <laughs> not approach it or Don't look even at look it. at him. Yeah. Don't even look at him. He will fuck you up. There's like no yeah. connection. The The monster design, they must have had so much fun. The monster yeah. design will just be yeah, like, yeah. what about a line of balls? And then sometimes it'll be like a very well thought out, you know, like, godric the grafted or whatever some full nightmare monster yeah Um, but then sometimes it'll just be like i don't know a sheep that rolls like all the sheep in this game roll (laughs) tumble (laughs) yeah there's a bunch of people cartwheeling in this game and it's very funny and you're like why and they're like i don't know there's a there's a an item somewhere that you'll find that explains it probably (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. no, I'm not going to learn that then. You mentioned that uh, you learned the story. Is there any, is more it worth synopsizing? Like what you uh, learned? Can you bring that to I, us? I'm going to, tr- with the group? I'm going to try. I'm sorry to those of you who are much more, you know, passionate and informed. So this is what I took from the story. So you play as a character called a tarnished, one of many tarnished, which I take to mean sort of an outsider, uh, who, may have sort of a a nebulous, shameful past for why you were cast out of this realm. The realm itself is called the Lands Between, which has a kind of 
uh, like a Middle Earth vibe, right? Like sort of a land between heaven uh, and sort of thing. Literally, Middle Earth land right, between. Right, right, exactly. You're, f- go- not... you're seeking a ring? I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's, it's pretty yeah. clear. I, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of medieval and Christian uh, metaphors that are being done through this like sort of a creepy horror lens here that I liked, um, including the Elden Tree, uh, or the Ur Tree, excuse me. Uh, so, okay, there used to be an Elden Ring, which I, I take to be sort of a, a divine object or symbol that was destroyed, and from its destructed uh, pieces were formed great runes. And the great runes were sort of uh, taken up by a series of champions who were demigods born of a sort of queen god called Queen Marika. Uh, queen Marika, I want to say... She she got rid of death or something and then was like exiled. <laughs> I'm now I'm just looking up the Wikipedia. Uh, right. And and then like, you know, she became I wanna say that she became the Erd tree or or was like the Erd tree is symbolic of her in some way. Um and that these demigod are all sort of lunatics who are her offspring and you have to sort of bring them to heel so that you can restore the kingdom by reforging the Elden Ring and becoming an Elden Lord, uh, which presumably makes you the champion of this world and king of it, and then, you know, the restorer. And my question is, will then, like, a population of normal-type people come back? Because, like all From games, you're wandering around and you only interact with a few people. 99% of the creatures you interact with are monsters. Like, the entire Earth is populated solely by monsters. There's a bunch of endings... And uh, oh, I, I haven't, I have not read them all. I did not understand my ending, to be quite frank with you. Mm-hmm. There's six. Uh, I believe at least one of them. The one that I got is that uh, the so the fractured age, which is the one you're in, is uh, you mend the Elden Ring and then you're the Elden Lord and you sit on a throne. That's the ending. Um, Good for you. I think, yeah, and I did that. Uh, I, th- <laughs> I think there's one where you, I don't know, man. I don't, it's like, I, I don't, I guess I should say I didn't follow the story enough because there, like, it was all sort of dispensed through literally just standing at an NPC talking in very vague metaphors. And you're like, okay. Uh, and then after a certain point, like I have with every from software game, I was like, you know what? I don't care that much. Yeah. It's really just more fun well, to be in the world. That's not how you play it. They've certainly not, some people do. There, I there's a oh, guy. Sure, every time, sure. I don't mean to be dismissive. Yes. Yeah, no, no, no. Do. Every time I stream it, every yeah. there's always one or two. There are one or two people who show up for every single stream because they love this stuff and they they will fill in the lore for me as I'm playing. And I'll tell them all. And I tell them the same thing, which is, you know, what, man, I don't really care. Like I, I, you know, go ahead, say whatever you want, but don't tell me that it means something because, like, no, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't. Even if they say that it means something in this lore, no, it doesn't because it's not accessible enough for an above-average gamer to get it without a lot of work. That's not storytelling. So the core of the joy for you, am I wrong, is the moment that you dodge out of the way of a giant boss's sword, hit them for a final time, and just barely defeat them. It's so good, man. It's like... You tried beating, six times and you finally beat him, right? Oh, that's, way more than that's six. That's the joy of the formula. Like, it took me three hours to beat Melania. Um, mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, the low moments are very low. Like, I had a low moment with Melania where I was like, this isn't fun. Why do I play these games? I hate this. I hate that feeling. Uh, I get that often. I don't like games. it either. 
I and do other too. games don't give me that feeling. That's right. I mean, although increasingly games are giving us that feeling. Let's oh, be honest, it's kind which, of a trend. Yeah. Well, or these games we're are getting so older and worse at gaming <laughs> relative well, to games. I guess I, I don't know. I guess I want to say that that's the thing I think about sometimes when a game, when something's hard, and then I realize mm. like when I go on like Reddit or something and read how people are responding to Elden Ring, and there'll be people like I've been on this boss for four days like five yeah. hours a day. And I'm like, there is no game I would play that much. Mm-hmm. I would not do that. Like, so it's not hard enough to keep me from doing it. Cause I'm going to put in at most three to four hours on a thing and be defeated and just be like, you know what? I have a video game podcast where I have to cover more games. So I just don't have the time for this, you know, like, or you know what? This isn't fun enough for me to keep going. And that's my opinion on it. Um, this is like right on the edge of that. And so I like it because when mm-hmm. you win, the inhuman roar of victory comes spurting out of your mouth, man. It's just like, oh, I can't believe it. It's a great feeling. And they've really um, refined the formula for sure. It's like yeah. um, a case in point that comes to mind is like these poison pods that exude poison that incentivizes rolling. I, there's just this magic triangle of rolling, slashing, but while you're slashing, the time it takes to slash makes you vulnerable to enemies' attacks. That they know they know what the bread and butter of their deal is, and they just stick to it. I find it compelling that you compare it to Breath of the Wild. I've heard you uh, do that multiple times. Yeah, only because it seems so much simpler to me. Breath of the Wild actually has way more systems in place, and it's I, it's interesting. I say that because I know that it actually has. I mean, Elden Ring's no slouch. There's a lot of systems um, in terms of like. You can upgrade your weapons. You can get spells. There's different classes of spells. There's different summons. There's you right. know all this stuff. Um, you can you know, add plus one, plus two to your weapons while you're upgrading yourself. Upgrading yourself upgrades the arc at which your weapon upgrades based on the stat it's tied to. All this shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But my question yeah. is, what... Uh, shoot, did I lose it now? <laughs> About the Breath of the Wild comparison. Is there... The Breath of the Wild systems were additional v- layers of gamification. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I feel like so the, in so is Elden this game. Ring. Really? I feel yeah. like in Elden Ring, all the systems funnel toward the experience of combat, one on one combat, slashing and counter slashing and parrying, using spells, what have you. Um, yes. In Breath of the Wild combat almost felt like maybe third or fourth priority exploration that's, being number one and then an puzzle point. solving being number two in the temples and then eventually like uh combat being probably fourth and i just find that as a very in that feels like a very rich experience to me whereas i have to say elden ring's world feels funny and interesting but sterile like a weird artist's sketchbook. Like I'm just flipping pages in a sketchbook and going, I think, Oh, that's a cool monster. Oh, that's I'm pretty a cool sure. Monster. I'm pretty sure that's what you said about breath of the wild too. Uh, I'm pretty sure you said exactly those words. If I'm not mistaken about, breath I of the do. Wild I do day. feel that breath of the wild is even is sterile compared to some other game universes, but at least it has a variety of tasks, game loop, to do. a variety of tasks. That's right. Um, whereas I was, I'm just wondering how you feel about the fact that Elden Ring is essentially explore combat or am I missing? Are there other key components that you're like, no, I feel like blah, blah, blah is a component. Uh, I would say, no, I think you're right. I think puzzling is a 
There isn't this very m- minor puzzling. There's not a lot of puzzling. Yeah, I, and I think, quite frankly, from software is iterative and in some ways a narrowing of what Zelda is. Like I think that's what they do. They they make mm-hmm. uh, slightly more combat driven and much more punitive versions of Zelda. Um, you know, like I don't, and I don't. I'm sure somebody's like, no, it's totally different. Ah, is it? Is it really that different? I don't think so. I th- I think that Zelda is sort of the prime game here, and that these from software games are important and now distinct iterations. But their relationship is pretty clear, you know. Like, and that's why this is such a thrill. Because I mean, Breath of the Wild, I, and I've said this a bunch of different places, is I think one of the maybe the best game ever made. It's it's fantastic, and the things that make it so good—that sort of sense of loneliness and wandering and exploring and figuring things out and there being all kinds of like very gamey but very uh delightful little encounters and activities and puzzles and yeah to do this game has that same experience um it doesn't have puzzles and it like so yes there's less things i totally agree and that makes it less in some ways i agree with that too like i didn't think the crafting was particularly compelling in elden ring somebody probably does um, I enjoyed the idea of getting a build and making and like building a character to be powerful, a thing that isn't in Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has its there's something to be said for that. But really, it's the same experience. You're wandering around like, OK, so there's a cave. What's in the cave? Oh, shit. It's a bunch of goblin trolls or oh, shit. It's a puzzle like that whole the wonder of it and the feeling of freedom of it. This game captured that. And we've been waiting for games to capture that. Like that's that was such a joyous thing about Breath of the Wild. It was like, holy shit, we're back to the original Legend of Zelda, but in the most beautiful open place you can imagine. You and know, remember and this- you have to stop being mad at me about that because we had an episode where I took it back and we kept Breath of the Wild. No, you kept it the first time too. Oh, okay, uh, good. Yeah, yeah. Then and where right. do you get off? I, I'm not I believe you're right that I did use the word sterile about its universe. Well, and I think what you're describing actually is. Uh, a thing that is a a pro for both of those games, and that is that it's extremely gamey. Like they're ex- these are both very video game conscious video games, and right. what I mean by that is everybody attacks you. Why should they attack you? Because it's a fucking video game, man. Well, where you know I mean? yeah, like, that's, right. That's Elden Ring does not ask questions like, no. well, is it a living ecosystem? No. Where did this zombie come from? No. They're like, there are nine zombies in the room. Their sole purpose is to wait around for you to get there and then attack And they will. You. Yeah. And they will do that. <laughs> and it's like, if that bothers you in sort of a meta narrative, this isn't the game for you. Like, if you want a living, breathing world, go over and try Red Dead Redemption oh, 2, buddy. That's just I think for you. I really you know? like those bosses that are boatmen who summon yeah. skeletons yeah, yeah. out of the water. Like, none of it makes... Their moves sets will be even wilder than that. There's like... Um, eagles with feet that are swords <laughs> will just lunge. Right. Like, how does that thing survive? How does it feed itself? Don't question it. It's the sheer. It's I Castlevania. Sh- it's Castlevania. It Jake. is. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, forget about it, Jake. Town. It's Castlevania town. <laughs> no, it, it's it is that it's the joy and the exuberance of the creativity and the video gameness of it. And there's they have no. They don't feel any need to justify anything. And if they do justify it because they all tie it together in the lore, they're like, see? You know what I mean? And like, it, it's the exact opposite of what most open world experiences are, which are they're trying to create immersion by like, my God, look at that deer. It doesn't even know you're here, man. It's living independent of you, even though it isn't. 
you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff that you see all the time done perfectly in Red Dead 2 and right. to a lesser degree in all the Rockstar games, which are sort of the prime game of that idea. Uh, this game's like, no, 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 it's not that. It's This is a curated experience with nooks and crannies like a pinata that you got to open up and take out each little piece. It's like an I mean? advent like, calendar you hit yeah. with a bat. Exactly, and it's and and like it's like Inception level version where it's like holy shit, there's more in this. There's more layers of this pinata. It's like an endless pinata. It's so good, you know. Like and it's like who cares why? If you care why, this is the wrong game for you. I I think, and like if you if you need to justify it with the lore, the lore is there. But really, it's about hey man, are you having fun? Like running around on the like, is it fun for you that you're up in this snow filled mountaintop and then a giant the size of 10 houses with an eyeball stomach comes out and swings at you like in an undodgeable arc. Cause this is the right game for you. If you're like that. And I'm like, I do like that. What if my, what is wrong with me that my answer is that sounds fun and I love video games, but no, I'm not having fun. So can I posit some, what's wrong with me? (laughs) Can I posit some theories? Well, first of all, there is nothing wrong with you. Um, so let's oh, take let's God. take that out. No, no, come on, you know that. So I would say it takes a certain kind of ferocious competitiveness to want to be a boss enough to suffer through them in this game. And you're not very competitive. You know what I mean? Like that's not really your thing. Like you're achievement oriented, but not competitive. I am competitive, and therefore I am not going to lose to this fucking boss. You know what I mean? Like I'm not having that. I am sure. going to kill this thing. Um, and that's enough for me to spend two hours until I finally beat Melania, you know? And then in hindsight, even though it's been painful in hindsight, I'm like, man, what a great competitor. <laughs> like, that's how I feel the minute I beat it. Really? I'm like, man, like, she hats was off so to good. You, Melania. She was good. You know, like she had that. Are you aware attack. of the let me solo her thing? No, no, I haven't seen that. Oh, there's a player whose player name is let me solo her who, if you summon them, or lucky enough to get them on your server, um, they will usually, I or as far as I'm aware, always defeat Melania one on one while wearing nothing <laughs> but a pot on her head and wielding nothing but like a stick. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And like I, there's things about the That's community a, of this the, that world. I wanted to segue into. Like we can't navigate the whole episode without mentioning that the game combines universes there's these very clever social mechanics that i think actually butt up against sort of the kinds of areas death stranding was exploring and i know you don't like death stranding and i don't like elden ring and vice versa uh about liking those but uh they both have a meta game that plays at the social level that i think is really smart that honestly i expect more games to continue to do but uh is really well implemented in Elden Ring where if you, I know people who have not heard, like have not checked in with gaming in 15 years, don't care about video games, don't own video games, don't know about video games who know, try finger butthole. Like right. if you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> um, the social component of Elden Ring has elevated it as well. And I, I, agree. And I am remiss in bring, not bringing that up because that is a system. I agree. It's a valid system. I kept like leaving. That. I left the messages and the blood stains that show yeah. people's previous runs and things like that. I left seek rump at every major seek uh, rump. event or every major event or great find or fun place to be. I left seek rump. 
because I felt mm-hmm. that's what other players needed to know. Seek it, my friend. You shall find it. I think my uh, favorite tweet on Elden Ring was someone said, you know, I love it because it's the only game where I can be about to die in a boss fight. And then because someone else in the world likes the fact that I called a turtle a dog, I get a health boost and end up winning the boss fight. Yeah, yeah that happens. That's weird. <laughs> I love yeah. that. You get like a sudden meta- message appraisal. Or they hated it, but they hated it enough to say, I didn't like that. Like you get health from that too. Oh, you get uh, it from negative appraisals? Yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, negative. I think so. I'm nice. pretty sure. Yeah, it's great. I I think that outside of the game itself, and I do like that aspect of the game, and I, and I liked it in Death Stranding too. Um, outside of that, I think the community in Elden Ring this time, uh, I think it's improving slightly. Because normally the FromSoft community is extremely punitive the way that a, a, a boss in one of their games might be. Just sort of a, hey, if you don't get good, that's your bro, that's on you. Mm-hmm. And I think this time, because so many more people got invested, there was a lot more sharing of tactics and like communal, like sort of like laughing at ourselves and, and appreciating the weird quirks of the game. Like I saw uh, some some streamer uh, who posted a Jurassic Park meme, but instead of Jurassic Park, it just said Kalid, and it showed one of those dog skeletons <laughs> it looked exactly yeah. like a T Rex. And it's like, yeah, that's right, those weird ass T Rex dogs. What's going on with that shit? You know? And it's uh, and I and I laughed right because it's you know I I love that stuff on the internet, and there's so few things that get the creativity of a meme generating audience excited and Elden Ring did. And, uh, I I think that's awesome. You know, like it's the right tone for all the internet, all the things I like about the internet to be lifted to the top. And I really appreciated that. Um, and that's a cool moment that I, you know, in 10 years, we probably won't remember it, Mm -hmm. but it was, but it was neat, man. You know, uh, it was, I would say as significant in some ways as, Animal Crossing was to the pandemic when it started, you know, like it was that, that kind of response. And I, and it was like, yeah, man, this game deserves that, you know? Yeah. Um, also, can I just say like, there was a lot of argument about graphics, you know, like this game doesn't look like next gen looks is the good. thing I, I heard a lot. I, oh, think, I think it looks great. I think it looks great too. And I think specifically it's not about how like the fidelity or the resolution or whatever, it's about the design like the way the world is designed and the look of it through design and just from soft are masters at that. They are the amount of imagination pouring through absolutely sort of outshines whether yes. I, I mean, I've seen it. The grass will pop into existence or sure. Or Who cares? FPS. Right. Who cares? Like my God, some, that some that, gaming purists care, but that, I understand that talking point. pot, that talking pot was emotional. You know what I mean? Like that tree sure. at the center of the map is like, what is that? It's so cool. Um, mm. And maybe it's just like hits me. And right I was in a prisoner, so my I wore a me too. <laughs> very evocative one-eyed mask. Yeah. that I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah it was very man on the iron mask. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just everything's think- evocative. I gotta say, for my money, Sekiro is the best for that. I think I've because heard it was cohesively themed, but the yeah. character design in Sekiro is just unstoppable cool <laughs> for, for me this for me this one is Elden a, Ring's world is super cool too I, I still think I might like the macabre vibe of Bloodborne a little more 
because it's mm, a little bit more contained. The gothic vibe, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit more contained, and I like how creepy it always Elden is. Elden Ring almost verges on pastiche. It's yes. like multiple vibes thrown yes. at the wall. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> but, but they do still feel like one world. Like, the Elden Ring dares at times to be beautiful. Like, just yes. overtly beautiful. And, like, Bloodborne really doesn't. Um, and it's pretty grim dark the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of a twisted beauty, like a Tim Burton kind of beauty. Right. Elden Ring at times is just breathtaking. Well, I mean, yeah, um, Torrent or like your horned horse reminded me very much of uh, Princess Mononoke. They, I mean, not just because the horns, but I feel like there's some. Obviously, when you're going with an open world, picturesque, like vistas of sweeping land that previous FromSoft games literally don't do because that's not how their maps are designed, but also because it would detract from the claustrophobic, horrible, you're about to die always feeling that they're going for. Whereas the open world, it's it, it's cool because it's something that's unique to the video gaming medium. Form inherently follows function, right? The open world makes right. the game bo- more accessible by virtue of the fact that it is an open world, which implies you can run away from fights. Absolutely. But that also implies beautiful vistas, which is a sort of cinematography that pairs very well with the tone of a more accessible From game. 100%. Uh, I love video games. <laughs> I, do, so I mean, cool yeah, this, this... Ludo and, narrative is cool. This game capitalizes on that feature of video games yeah. like the most that I've ever seen. Um other other cool things like the game rewards systems that you don't think about as systems, but like for instance the day night system, right? There's a day night system in this game and you're like why is it there? Just cuz things look cool? No, there's just some stuff you can only find at night and some stuff you can find at day. The game never discusses it with you. It just encourages you, like, oh, what happens if I go here at night? Oh, shit, there's a bird ca- cannibal boss. Oh, ah, you know, like, uh, and that stuff happens all the time, and that's also very cool. And uh, there were one or two character stories that I found pretty compelling. Um, there was one called, uh, there was, like, a wolf man called Blade, I want to say his name was, B-L-A-I-D-D, who was sort of, like, loyal to, I think that's right, uh, it's an, he's an NPC. He was loyal to Ronnie, who has a great quest, and his story was interesting. Got to be loyal to Ronnie. Ronnie's a great guy. Oh, Ronnie. She. she oh, okay. <laughs> uh, excellent try, though. Appreciated it. Uh, she leads Get to some really far. cool. <laughs> she leads to some cool loot, but her his quest was cool. And then there was a guy who was sort of like the head of the round table hold, who you end up having to fight, and killing him felt very sad. Uh, and sad in a good way. It was like, man, really? You, you need this this bad? Because you're going to lose, bro. And he did. Um, yeah, there's little. there are little emotional moments. So I kind of want to give it some credit, uh, but not enough to be like, oh, what a great narrative. Like, say, well, like it doesn't compare West. with Ghost of Tsushima when you take no, out your own. Not even friend, close. Right. Not yeah, even close. Yeah, such a good moment. No. Or or um, it's contemporary Horizon Forbidden West, which is, I would say, when you vastly lose a main character. We shouldn't spoil that game since it's not that episode. But yeah, but you but lose it, a main. you do. But vastly superior for storytelling, like actually giving sure. you a narrative way better, you know, um, because it wants to be. Elden Ring's like, that doesn't matter. And I agree with it. I don't think it matters. Can either. I ask some nitpicky questions since I'm happy to the negatives? Happy to. And just see what you think as someone who's positive. Sure. Uh, do you think the HUD is, do you need more HUD? Is the HUD perfect? 
is the HUD bad? Nothing about it bothers. I mean, at this point, oh, I'm really, really okay. Used, I'm really used to it, so it. Does. I find it almost too minimal. Oh, I, I sometimes. See, I never I want more, more. I never want more. Uh, never want more HUD. Okay. Not really in any game. I, I'm always like, what's the least amount we can? Like, for instance, I just replayed Cyberpunk, and it's just there's times where it's like, man, there's like eight things going on. Like, can you I just... love what Horizon did, which is a thumb yeah, swipe. Makes I agree. It appear and disappear. I wish every game had that. I think, yeah, I think that FromSoft could afford to be daring if they could find new ideas with that stuff. But I think the reason they don't mess with it is it works, you know. Okay, uh, and I'm okay with that. All right. Speaking of Horizon, though. I I have leveled this criticism at Horizon, and I need to level at Elden Ring as well because I really don't want it to become a video game trend or trope. The thing where, and they're known for it, and they've done so many games now, it is a thing for them, but I hope it doesn't spread, where uh, you press down on the D-pad to cycle through items, and then you press a button to use the item that's currently equipped. There's a lot of that. I think that's a good thing thing it's too because that means if you're on like cerulean tears and you want crimson tears basically what my brain is doing is telling me press down on the d-pad four times to get because i know that's how many it takes to cycle right um that's a clunky that shouldn't be a like ergonomically or whatever semiotically it leads to a <laughs> that's lot of too panicking. much it, it leads to a, lot, to a lot of panicking in a yeah. game that's already pro- – it just feels like the odds are, are – the deck's already stacked against you. You don't need to be pressing down four times to get to your healing potion. And there should be some simpler way to do that. But I, I don't have – I can't not sit in here with the solution. I don't know if it's hold L1 to open a potion wheel or whatever. Well, they seem very – to me, I think From Software enjoys making the char- making the player have to panic and execute a thing correctly in time or they die. I think they like that experience for the player. I mean, and I that's think, why you're locked into combat animations. Yeah, that's right? why there's no yeah. pause. Like whereas in Horizon, yeah. you can slow time way down to do stuff, and you in this game's like, no, you can't. You're like, yeah, you got to get to that potion and drink it in time, or that guy's gonna club you to death. That's the that's the game. And, and in many ways, Horizon's more egregious because at least in Elden Ring, I think the max you'll get is four or five things in that D-pad slot, whereas. I don't oh, know. Yeah, I yeah, still yeah. find yeah, yeah, yeah. the inventory so freaking laborious in Elden Ring and but Horizon, you, to be honest. You can see I, one thing I appreciated about Elden Ring's menu, although it is tedious in some ways, is that you can rem, you can put as many or few things as you want in those quick keys. So, mm-hmm. like, if you don't want to cycle through eight things at once, and you only want to cycle through three, it can be just three. Um, and you can decide. You can okay. put your cerulean tears in your item yeah. slot and in, in your quick item slot. I never tried that yeah. actually. Yeah, you can, mm. and you can put your. Uh, yeah, I that's I only had the three flasks in my item slot. Right. And that's it because it was like I don't want to deal with the rest of it. And if I really needed another item, I put it on the other like the holding triangle down. The and holding triangle thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and I'm that saying that even all the holding triangle thing. I don't know. Did you find yourself? Once you had pretty decent slashers and magic and summons, I imagine you didn't use like the bone darts and shit, did nah. you? Or, no, or Once the clay pots. To be right, and I'm saying, why have needless? And Horizon has it too. I think there's needless. You don't have to have everything. Then don't have that if no one's going to use it. Well, like if, if I guess eighty percent of people aren't going to use it. In this case, my counterpoint would be that Elden Ring, I believe, is built around the idea of giving. 
every type of player away to combat the boss that feels good to them. I really think that's why it's there. So that's, do you think there's a player who uses thrown projectiles as their main absolutely. deal? Absolutely. Well, as okay. their main deal, no. But I, th- but constantly, absolutely I do. Um, I think that's why they got in, like, so excited about this Ash of War system where you can customize your weapon to do all kinds of you know special moves and Super get moves, yeah. and get the build that you want so it's like I want the I want to make dragons bleed to death and then rot from the inside. Well, you can do that, bro. I want to throw magic and then uh use this sword that shoots flame out of dragon it. Dragon rot inside you, mate. Yeah. Right <laughs> get the dragon rot inside the ash and apply it to your shield. Uh no, but like I think that that's the idea why there's so many things in the game is to give people the perfect tool that fits their playstyle to take on these bosses that are extremely challenging. Um, it does make for the weeding out of stuff that tends to be very tedious and you do spend a lot of time in the menu because of it. But I found basically once I settled on a build that I knew was good, like for instance, I got the moon veil and uh, I believe it was the meteorite or staff pretty early. And once I had those, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a perfect build for me. I'm just going to, I'm going to stack up intelligence I'm going to hurl magic out of my sword at every beast. And you saw how effective it was. You mm-hmm. know, like you can club dudes so quickly. And it was like, okay, so now I don't need to worry about all these other weapons. I can just focus on leveling this up and all the rest of the stuff. I can sell it, um, you know, to level up. And it and the game became a lot simpler, you know. Um, whereas if I was still trying out every weapon and figuring stuff out, the game would have taken forever for me. You know, and I was at level like 160 by the time I ended, so I played the shit out of this game. You know, uh, but I think that's they just have to let games be what they are. Different games be different, but I I'm so much more pleased by a game where this is the way to play. Virtue of picking up bigger and bigger weapons, no, like weapons that you know scale up in stats. I'm constantly changing, like. Oh, I have a pistol. Oh, now I have a shotgun. Oh, now my main is a sniper rifle. So you want to adapt. You want to adapt to different... I just like variety throughout the loop. Which you could have if you wanted to. I guess I feel like in games like Elden Ring and Horizon also felt this way to me to some degree, where within 20% of the way through the game, I have the weapon that I'm never going to change that I will use for the rest of the game. Ooh. I'm like, then then why even have thousands of weapons oh, see, if this one's the best one? Counterpoint. Uh mm-hmm. I like I that is the experience of like Skyrim, for instance, what you just described. Right? I agree. Where like, you find a weapon that's Witcher. good enough. Right. Even Witcher. You're like, my sword's right. good enough now. I'm done this seeking is the one. other items. Yeah. So <laughs> the nice thing about Elden Ring is that about a third of the way through the game, or maybe halfway through the game, you beat a boss who gives you a very cheap respec option. So like it's you know, you get a you get a basically Ah, so that does provide yes. a big boost of so freshness. You yeah. can try shit. Like, and I did try shit. Like, I tried the Sword of Night and Flame to see if I liked that. And I was like, you know, Moonvale's a little bit better. And the next time I play this game, and I definitely will play it again, I'm going to try a bleed build with two katanas because that seems really fun. Um, you know, because I, I tried a magic build, and next time I want to see, can I melee my way through this? That seems really fun to mm-hmm. me. Um, so it is actually, a, it is more flexible than a lot of these RPGs are. Um, it doesn't, it's not. When you first look at it, if you've never played one of these games, it seems very overwhelming. But once you get your bearings under it, you'll discover this game has more range and flexibility than any game of its type before. 
And uh, I think that's really why so many people played it, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it was more accommodating for that. And I can't stress this enough. It's, oh, yeah, we didn't even mention there's bows and arrows as well. Yeah, we, yeah. There's, there's I don't a even lot of use that different shit. ways yeah. to do the combat. Yeah, Right, and, and I can't stress this enough. Building an open world that retains the idea of anything can happen here and you never know what you're going to find and just go. Um, it takes a certain kind like not everybody can do it. It's not just a matter of removing stuff from the map. It, it, it takes a very careful thought through, I think, slow design, like that's comfortable spending time and energy getting it just perfect. And I think that's why we're not going to see so many of them, but they're very special. And I hope that somebody else takes on the mantle here because um, we've gotten two great games like that to my to my taste and I'd love to see more. It's a really great experience. I was fine with it. That brings <laughs> us to um, another quick break, but we'll be right back with our ultimate segment where we will decide whether this game makes it onto our celestial hard drive that is the definitive goal and explicit goal of all video game development teams uh, ever since we started the show, I believe. That's, That's all they this do. Is why they, they put do it on it. the board. Yeah. yeah, they put it on the board. Trying to make it on the Celestial hard drive. We'll mm. find out if Elden Ring makes the cut right after this. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey now, we're back. <laughs> hey now, hey now, hey now. That's an old reference. Okay, yeah. but this is not even continue it. Ancient <laughs> game, <laughs> and uh, specifically the Elden Ring episode, specifically the segment where we discuss whether we shall include this game on our celestial hard drive. We got to pass that um, last checkpoint to do that, right? 
And we're doing That's it now. true. Mm. Did you think of a catchy? Oh, I know exactly uh, what analogy happened. Analogy in Elden Ring. Absolutely, what I I set what? I set the Erd tree ablaze, my friend, and oh, I shit, made I my that far. I made my way into the crumbling ruins. Knowing, I'm just over here slashing at the dung of a giant golden dung beetle. I know I that. No idea. I'm gonna have to pierce that veil, and what lies behind it only only fate will decide. Turns out it's a giant space blob, but it's really cool. I assumed it would be a spider or a blob. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a space blob. It's a space blob. It's very cool. It's a space blob. Um, great. Well, that means it's time for the casting of the die. And I think there will be more dramatic tension. As always, we go in the mm. order that provides the most dramatic tension. Mm. If you go first this time. I agree. Adam, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Then the question is whether what I will do? pluck the babe from your very arms and... <laughs> And club it. Dash it on the rocks or Jeez. not. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's two macabre death references. It's okay. a brutal game, man. Yeah, it really is. It is a brutal Talking game. It is a brutal game. Um, yeah, this game belongs. Uh, I'm definitely keeping it. I don't mind that I already have Bloodborne. I am comfortable with two FromSoft games. One day we're going to get to some of these Dark Souls, and then it's going to be tough. Because having three or four or more on there, it's like, mm, I don't know about that. Elden Ring is a is an incredible experience. Uh, I think it's essential to video games. I think aliens one day will wonder, did they have talking pots if they play this game? And uh, you know, hopefully they hopefully they really wonder that. Maybe they come visit. We're keeping this. Bloodborne's shit. already on the drive. Yeah, we kept it, and I think we should have. Um, and I am definitely keeping Elden Ring. You should not have pointed that out, my friend. I think that changes my vote. Oh, <laughs> uh, it better not. It better not. I don't Wait, want to, I don't really? Want to hear that. Oh, you're dictating? I think they both, you're dictating no, I, I can't right. dictate it. I see. I'm just telling I see. you. I'm I see. just telling you. Um, sheesh. Uh, it's a tough I think one, huh? only. I think it's a grand opening special where I'm trying to be polite to our new listeners <laughs> oh, who might be joining us. Oh, charity. we're on iHeart now. Um, this is total charity because... I would only I believe that from the from formula deserves one entry is, deserves one exactly one entry on the list and that mm. it is incredibly seminal and important but I don't see any reason that it deserves two okay and I do not think it's I do still think it's fundamentally the same loop. It's just in an open world context. And they're so far from having invented the idea of open world that it's not even funny. That's like true. They, yeah. They're just combining it with something that's long, long, you know, established. That said, uh, I would lose all credibility if I shot down <laughs> Elden Ring in our very first episode on the new network. But just so you assholes know, I am usually the kind of guy who would totally delete Elden Ring. You would. But because it's our first episode... Wow, and I want charity. everyone to go home happy and keep listening to One Upsmanship. I will let Elden Ring squeak by. Well, Elden be, Ring is on the drive. Be honest. It's because you know how good it is, too. Be there's honest. another thing is that I actually I legitimately question a lot of aspects of it, but uh, see whole previous hour of conversation okay. for more on All that. Right. Okay. But um, um, I Another reason it squeaks by is because we haven't filled the drive yet. That's right. I do right. think when the drive is full, I will probably push for maybe Bloodborne getting Pick, the axe. Picking one I of them. I do think Elden Ring yeah, yeah. is a... Uh, is superior. Yeah, so you, we'll see. You think Elden Ring is... But for now, 
celebrate, enjoy while they're both on there. Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, I do. I, I, I've gotten both my runes and my souls. Today. I didn't get two Sonic games on there. And my blood I didn't echoes. Get any Sonic games on there. Well, we've only talked about one. We could talk about it more. I, I think Sonic 2 has a real shot. If anything, will get on at Sonic 2, so we'll have yeah. to discuss that at some point. Yeah, I think Sonic yeah. 2 has got a real shot. There's only one Mario game on there right now, I think. It's Super Mario World. It's the only game that's on there. I certainly can see multiple Mario yeah. entries. I just don't think I need multiple fl- from it. I, get I don't it. know. A hundred is not a lot of games. We'll be so, you know, when we get to it, down to it. And the question there will be some tough cuts. That's true. And the question I, I think is only fair to ask is, is that game really better than Bloodborne or Elden Ring? Like that's like, that's a question I'll put back. Cause I really think that those two games are that good, but you know, like, but that's a debate and we'll have it when the right time comes. We'll it's impossible play. to be objective because it is art. So it also has to do with the fact that I wish I could experience what you're experiencing, but, mm. but I don't. I wish you or could too. I do, but my brain interprets it a different way. The feeling of being beaten into submission and then finally eking out a victory uh, feels too close to like punishment family trauma that I had as a child (laughs) or like, yeah, it's like, it's the negative feedback loop of emotions that I don't want. And I spend my whole life trying to avoid is like not achieving my objective and then barely squeaking by and being like, Jesus, that's uh, Thank God I can move on to the next thing because I finally stopped fucking up. (laughs) I I think most, I mean, if I haven't said this, let me say it now. I think most gamers will not like Elden Ring. Like in the large swath of people that play video games, the vast That's majority of them will not like it. Like everybody whose like main video game is like Candy Crush. And that's not, you know, or a game like that on their phone or something. Well, let's go further than that. Or, you know. No, but the, that's not a belittling Call thing. Call of Duty Warzone. Yeah, yeah. That's not a belittling thing. I'm saying that's a bunch of gamers in the world whose like sure. main video game is like something simple and mindless that they do to, you know, while they wait for a doctor's appointment or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that's how they're spending their time. They're not. They're gonna hate Elden Ring, and and again, yeah, COD boys like you just said, people who mainly play first person shooters for the competitive aspect, they probably won't like Elden Ring, and I think that's okay. You know, it doesn't have to be universally appealing, like it doesn't have to be Mickey Mouse or or Mario. It doesn't have to be that for it to be a fantastic game. It's in interesting because it's getting reviews and numbers as if it were universally appealing, but I think it's an important reminder as we wrap up here that it actually is a very distinct sub-genre. Absolutely. Not even genre, but sub-genre. Like, it's just heavily yeah. imitated. It, you know, and also... It's, and it's having its moment right now. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, people are loving it. It's liked by the right people. That has right. a lot to do with why we're hearing some... It's, you know, like the, the loudest people are not always the right people. Um, or don't represent the majority. And I think in Elden Ring's case, and I'm a person that loves it, that might be true. Fascinating. Yeah. We always leave them on a resonant note. So quick, turn the podcast off now before we start plugging. (laughs) Oh, you're still here? Well, Time to plug. Hey. Did you know we do uh, like over a dozen other podcasts? We sure (laughs) do. If you want to check them out on myriad pop culture topics and topics like a total you know out of left field stuff like addiction recovery trauma and depression or dinosaurs we do whatever we want and we do it over <laughs> at patreon.com slash small beans seriously there's a huge backlog tons of podcasts over there so if you like one upsmanship and you want to find more check it out otherwise if you're just interested in video game chat you know where to find us one UPS Men's Ship, wherever you get podcasts. 
we got all our all of our previous episodes available for your consumption. Have at it, my friends. Feast up. That's right. Go listen to the one about Bloodborne and write in and tell me which one we should keep. One and only one. Yeah, feel free to do that. We'll see if that happens. Terrestrial mail only, please. Work complete. Optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.